Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Saints score. This week we'll be reviewing the Chelsea game as well as I, I want to ask a couple of questions to the guys about the season and what's going to come up as well. We've got all four of us this week. Uh, I'll start with Jamie. How are you doing this week? Excellent, mate. Just proud you just got a call up to the English squad, so I'm buzzing. Mikey, how about you? Have you been busy? Yeah, busy uh, university stuff, which has been great. Uh, so, yeah. Any uh, description, Mikey, of yeah. what stuff? Come on, uh, man. Psychology. Uh, that's, that's been... Uh, I was, I'm not much of a fan of psychology, but that's been all right. That's not been too bad so far, so... And uh, Ollie, have you gone back to university just yet, or is it still another week? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm back to university. Got my voice back as well, which is good. Well, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of at the end of uh, my cold. So finally, I'm yeah, I'm getting my voice back. So I, I listened back while I was editing to the podcast last week. It just sounded awful. I can't believe I just didn't stop talking. But yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, at least this time it will sound a little bit better while I'm talking. So hey, yeah, I'm feeling feeling good, feeling fine. Good, I mean, good. yeah. Fresh, fresh as is officially over, so hopefully we don't have cold Ollie anymore. Hopefully we've got a fully fit Ollie for next week because I think you're about 75% of the way there, so just another 25%. And you know what? You'll be, you'll be fully fit fighting, ready for the Leeds preview. But this time, it's going to be the Chelsea review. And not a lot of us were confident going into this game or, or very confident, despite the fact that I think we've been unbeaten in the last three against them at Stamford Bridge. But... Sadly, a 3-1 loss, and we'll go straight from the beginning. Looking at the starting eleven, and I'm going to go straight to Jamie for this because he Ooh. wanted Teller in the squad. He wanted him in the starting eleven, in fact, and he got exactly what he wanted. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't. Tizard, I wanted someone to do in the starting eleven. I wanted him to be more involved. But mm. yeah, it was it was interesting to see him starting against Chelsea. But um, yeah, I think it's good to see. I think it's obviously a bit of a lack of options, realistically, considering. And Borja wasn't able to play because obviously um, club problems or being a lonely from Chelsea. But, and obviously lack of scoring from Trey Adams. So I was surprised Taylor got a call up this game and not on next against Leeds. It's probably better opposition for him to play against considering Chelsea are very good defensively. But it did all right. But as like I said, if a striker to do well, they need to score. And unfortunately, he didn't do that. Yeah, a striker that has been struggling for form so far this season, or at least for Southampton, that is, is Trey Adams. He was, you could consider him unlucky not to get the goal against Manchester United, but it was going a mile off target. And, you know, he, it's another game that he's not started. Mikey, do you know why he's not started? Can you see from the perspective why he's not started? Or do, do you agree with the decision? Um... I, I I mean, I'm not too sure why he didn't start. I know there have been calls for Teller to play, but I I just think Che Adams is, as much as he's not a striker that's going to get you goals, he's going to be a player who creates for you. He's going to be a player who creates chances. He can, oh God, he can hold the ball up. He can, um, he can win battles and get flick-ons. And we know how important he was to Danny Ng scoring the amount of goals that he did for us because of the amount of chances he created for him. And, uh, I mean, in a game against Chelsea where you, you've you got three big centre-halves, I mean, Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger, um, I think Trevor Chalobah played at the centre-half as well. So you've got three quite physical, physically dominant centre-halves. And you've got Teller, Teller and Armstrong, who are known for being small, quick, nippy players who won't be able to battle with them. Um 
And you've got Redmond and Walcott also switching in up front, who again, not they're they're quick little players. They're not going to be players who who can hold the ball up, can do that sort of stuff, which I know isn't really the style of play we play, but it's quite nice to have an out ball in that way, just in case we're struggling to get out. And also you do look at, I mean, they've won the Champions League. Thiago Silva is probably one of the best centre-halves there's been for the last 10, 15 years. He's going to be able to read the movements that our strikers are doing. So even though they're quick and nippy, Thiago Silva's already about three or four steps ahead of them. So I would have liked to see Adams, I don't, was it retain his place? I can't remember if he started against Wolves or not. But I would have liked to see Adams play because I think him and Armstrong were developing quite a nice partnership after the first two or three games and it just feels like we're, we're swapping players. We're, uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, we do have to try something new because it is now no wins in seven. So Yeah, I was a bit frustrated that Adams didn't get the starting spot just because of, of what you said there, really. And I think... Did he score the last time he played against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in that 3-3 draw? I'm pretty sure he smashed it into the top of the goal. Or it might have been Ings. I can't I can't quite yeah, remember. He was at least um, involved. They both did. Yeah. He, when he, he completely missed the ball. He kind of hit it on the turn and put it in the back of the net. If you remember. So, yeah, I was frustrated not to see that. I was obviously frustrated not to see Parade and Gineppo on that left-hand side. But I think that's slowly becoming something that every Saints fan is becoming accustomed to or, or frustrated to, uh, frustrated about, sorry, because I've started to see it all over Twitter about the confusion about, he, you know, Parade's played well, he's not getting the minutes, Gineppo's apparently our best number 10, uh, defensively at least, and now he's not getting the minutes either that, that we, you know, should be expecting. But someone that is back on the bench is Stuart Armstrong. Uh, Ollie, you're a big fan of his. How happy <laughs> you to see that? Yeah, I think a lot of fans have been looking forward to his return because we know how good he is with the ball, progressing it and creating dangerous opportunities. He's got a really good eye for a ball. And I think the problem is at the moment, we're not creating great opportunities. I'm sure Mikey will be at a flick of a switch, be able to uh, get the XGs of all the last six games out and show you the correlation that, you know, we're not really creating enough good chances or something like that. That's what sports analysts do, isn't it? Um, but yeah, you know, I think we do really create better chances when he's in in the side because he's uh, not only a lot more dangerous, but he's a lot more fearless in the way he plays. He doesn't mind sometimes being caught on the ball. Sometimes that doesn't work out the best, but most of the time it means he's he's trying those defenders, seeing if they forcing them into mistakes and see if he can make anything happen. And I think that's something we're missing at the moment. Yeah, something that I am not looking forward to, but something that should be good from a Saints perspective. Uh, before he even made the bench against Chelsea, we we saw that it was called up to the Scotland squad. And we were a bit like, well, that's a bit odd. He's not played any minutes for us in the league, yet he's going to get an international call-up. But it seems like he's fully fit now. And hopefully over this international break, where he's going to play you know, two games I think Scotland probably have in the international break. Hopefully he can get, you know, his fitness back up, his match fitness back up across those two games so that when he comes to play for us, it's not like he's been out since the Euros, for example. Hopefully he's going to have a bit of a fresh leg sort of thing. Uh, but going on to the game, you know, you look at the first half statistics as the game came to an end, uh, the first half at least. They had seven shots. I believe we had one or two it felt like they'd massively dominated the game from at least a, a statistics point of view. Now, I wasn't able to catch the game on Saturday, uh, but I was able to see the highlights. And something that was very frustrating was their opening goal. Trevor Chalaber, who was on loan at Ipswich last year, scored a free head at the back post after Ruben Loftus-Cheek sort of knocked it on from the corner. 
And when you look at the game against Manchester City, uh, against Wolves, against Manchester United, basically all games bar the Everton one, you know, our defence was quite, you know, quite straps, strap tight, but it felt like that knock on, it just sent him completely free at the back post. No one was able to pick him up and it, it seemed like quite a simple goal. Mikey, do you, do you feel the same way? Yeah, it's just a simple, a simple uh, set piece that we've conceded. Just one man not being picked up and unfortunately the balls dropped to him. Um, he still had to finish it off and it was still, uh, it was still a good finish as well. So... But yeah, it's just the frustration of it being. I mean, they they weren't able to break us down, and we've just conceded from a set piece, which should be the bread and butter of all our centre halves, really. Um, it's just lack of organisation or lack of tracking, and that's that's what's occurred is we've conceded from the set piece, which is just a frustrating thing. Yeah, I mean, we went 1-0 down pretty early. Ollie, were you expecting us to go 1-0 down that early? Because you look at the previous games, the last three, in fact, and we've got to at least half time before conceding. So going behind after 10 minutes, 10 minutes, sorry, I have to show some serious resilience to get back in the game. Um, I did actually watch this one, and <laughs> I thought the first 10 minutes, well, I, don't, I think we conceded in the ninth, so the first eight <laughs> minutes, we were pretty good. And I thought we... We looked our typical self in the fact we were really trying to press high. Problem is, Chelsea are really good at playing through a press and um, they created quite a few chances where we were blocking and tackling and it, it went out for a corner. I wasn't actually that worried from the corner, um, but they just kind of popped out of nowhere and it was a really uh, quite defeating moment when they scored early and so far our press hadn't really worked at all. We looked sprightly in the the football that we were playing looked quite good, but it just looked defensively our tactic didn't look like it worked. And I don't really think we fixed it until the second half, which we'll come on to later. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's another game that we've gone behind in and something that we sort of we were used to last season, even at the first two games of this season, was getting that lead early on, not necessarily keeping hold of it, but you sort of get momentum after that goal. And I don't think since the game against Manchester United, at least in the league, because obviously against Sheffield United we did, against Newport we did, we've not taken the leads. And although we have lost games from the lead, and quite a lot of them, I think last season we dropped something like 23 points. We're not even doing that, Jamie, so far this season. It's, it really is tough. I think we're lacking the leadership in defence, especially with, with Jack Stevens coming out. I didn't realise how vital he was. I think I mentioned it last episode mm, as well. Yeah. And we just need that leader there because I think with Salusi and Bednarek, they both, whenever they've had a partnership with them, they've always had someone that's leading them. So, say what you say about Vestal, but he was quite a leader in there. He was yeah. quite a pre- his presence in the box. And Jack Stevens had that voice, but the pair of them two together, I don't think there is one there. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. Uh, and hopefully, going into the Leeds game, we can we can sort that out. But. This game, we all... Sorry, Mikey, you go. No, so I was just going to say, I'm, I'm not necessarily agreeing with Jamie's point at that because defensively, mm. like, I, I, I love my statistics. So XG-wise, so we've conceded eight yes, goals this season. Yes, I knew he'd season. have them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, conceded, we conceded eight goals this season from an XG of 7.8. So that's pretty much level. We're conceding the goals that we should be... Well, the, we're conceding the goals that should, we should be conceding. So we, we've got a very balanced XG against for us. For us, we should have... Uh, we've created an XG of six and we've only scored twice this season. 
which is a massive deficit in XG's wise. Like we should have had four more goals than we've actually got so far. So it's at the other end of the pitch that the problem is. I think defensively we've been okay. It's my, like and I think you look at the first goal at Chelsea, or you look at Wolves, or you look at um like Newcastle away. There's elements of there where you can see the mistakes happen, so it makes it easier to fix. They're like one-off mistakes that we're making like not track i think it was ward prowse who didn't track his man for the set piece uh arguably that goal could have been given offside because we've seen before where players have been marking goalkeepers as Billaqueta was all over mccarthy and unfortunately the linesman didn't flag if the linesman would have flagged it would have been given offside um but there have been like little elements here and there where defensively we've been we we've mostly been solid this season. It's offensively where we're creating these chances and we're not sticking away. It's like we're going back to uh twenty seventeen with like sort of Tadic creating these chances for our strikers and our strikers not being able to score them. So I think it's more down the other end of the pitch that the problem is and it's not defensively. How do you change that, though? Because with defensively, you can sort of go, well, you can do this, that, and the other. Attacking-wise, if your strikers aren't scoring, there's only so much Ralph can do at that point. What What would you advise for that? So yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's an obvious thing to say. But then again, we could sign, what? Who, who did Aston Villa sign a couple of seasons ago? Wesley, Wesley or Samassa. Yeah, Samassa. Like they were having really horrible problems as a striker. And they went and invested cheaply on Samata. And he was going to be their saviour. He was going to be the one who'd do this. And it just ended up being a waste of money because he wasn't the quality that we needed. The issue is, is we don't have the money to invest in a striker to replace Danny Ings. We don't have... Because Danny Ings was cheap for £30 million. Pounds. Like, we, we don't have the money to go out there and spend £40, £50 million pounds on a striker who's going to be consistent in this league. So you have to be, you, as Ralph said in one of the post-match interviews, you can't just rely on your strikers scoring goals. You need goals from everywhere, like, it, it, especially in a team like ours. And we are creating the chances. Like when we look at like how many pressures we're creating, like how many times we're creating chances from our high presses, we've got the most in the league. We've created 13 shots from our high pressures and our high turnovers, which is the most in the league. So that's happening. It's just getting that ball in the net and it's taking those chances like Adam Armstrong's against Manchester United. We had a couple against Chelsea as well. We had quite a few against Wolves like where we created chances but just didn't get the shots off. So it, it's taking those chances, which again, like it's Ralph can only put them in that position. It's then the players taking that chance. And looking defensively as well, I know we have kept a few clean sheets this season, but a frustrating goal to concede against Wolves. A few, you know, I think the latter two goals are some real quality from Chelsea, but the first one, you know, is frustrating. Does confidence sort of seep out the defence after you've done some really good defensive displays and you've not won a game, for example? Because we could have won against West Ham, we could have won against Wolves. Does confidence sort of seep out when you're not getting those results? And do you think that could mean that our, our defensive ability from last season will start to show again? Or are you confident that, you know, our defence is good and it's here to stay at that level as well? I'm confident that it will stay. I, I, think, I think we've got some good defenders in our back line. Um, Salisu, I think, is brilliant. I think he's he's fantastic. Tino Livramento's coming in. I think he's our most solid right back, which I know a lot of people won't like me saying. 
Well, I think Livermento's better defensively and offensively than Carl Walker Peters. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with him. Bednarek has his flaws, we know, but again, like he he proves it with the amount of blocks and the amount of interceptions. He knows where he needs to be. It's just sometimes he has that lapse and and that that work. And I mean, if Perot comes back in, a Walker Peters stays at left back. Like I prefer Perot to be there. Because I think I think he he adds more balance to the side, but defensively I think we're okay. I think Romeo really helps that out as well. And we also adapted in the second half. I know Ollie mentioned it earlier. We adapted in the second half. We made it harder for Chelsea to break us down. Therefore, we had a better attacking outlook. So as long as you got that balance of being good, good and solid defensively, you will get more creativity up front because. We've we had it a couple of seasons ago where we had like all of Ireland and Fonte or Lovren and Fonte at the back. We had the solidness. Therefore, going forward, the players felt more free and more easy to express themselves and create these chances. Because then, then um, they've got the defense to drop back on because they know that they've got a good chance of winning that ball back. I think we're getting to that moment where our defense is getting back to being solid our press is getting back to be more organized and better um so we're going to be creating chances while also having the confidence in our defense to be able to be strong and be be defensive and keep like players out and keep goals out it's just it, it we can't get to the point where the defense start going downhill because then you're going to lose the confidence in attackers that already aren't scoring and therefore it's just going to go to part and we're just going to be conceding goals and not scoring them yeah i mean we've done this for about 17 minutes and we've got gone through <laughs> about 15 minutes of the game here so in the second half or sorry the second part we'll talk more about the chelsea game and also i'll reveal the three players for this week's three man quiz that'll come right after this short break hello welcome back to voice fm 103.9 we are the saints score we just finished reacting to the first half of the chelsea game Mike, you went a little bit of a ramble, but boys, what, what happened in the second half? Tell me about Tizard. I mean, there's plenty of things that we can talk about, but the first thing, I promised that I was going to reveal oh, the three yes. players for this week's three-man quiz, and I'm going to do exactly that. For people that are new to the podcast, these are three random players from across the globe that played with one current Saints player. If you think you've got the answer when I do say the three players, get in contact at VoiceFMRadio or at Saints underscore score. On Twitter this week, the three players are Thomas Kuzak, Billy Sharp and Harry Winks. That's Thomas Kuzak, Billy Sharp and Harry Winks. Those are the three players uh once again have a think about it at home in the next part at the start of part three i'll reveal them once again so there's a little there's (laughs) quite a bit more to talk about the chelsea game there's actually you know three more goals to talk about but the first bit is Werner's disallowed goal should it have been disallowed was the foul in the build-up too far back was it a foul mikey i mean ollie sorry talk to me what was that? Sorry, do I think it's a foul? Yeah, kind of. It was quite far oh, later in the play that it was actually called back for, but yeah, it did look a bit of a foul, and it was in a bit of a vulnerable position as well, wasn't it? Walker Peters was the was the player there. Aspilicueta's clipped the back of his leg, and he's gone down, and then they've carried on the attack from there. So if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be a little bit miffed, but then, as we'll say later on, they kind of made back for it, didn't they? So 
doesn't really matter in the end. But yeah. Jamie, was was it a clear and obvious mistake from the referee? Because for me, I I'm not too sure if I think that should have been overturned or not. It didn't look like a clear foul from my perspective, but I'm I'm not too sure. What are your thoughts? At the end of the day, Tizard, a foul is a foul, and the referees had, the referees now have had to go by book got by the book through the stick they got last year from um, not letting play from letting play from not letting play continue. They're letting play continue. If they're going back on it, they have to do what they're saying. Yeah, I, I, th- I think you nailed that there. So at half time, it was still 1 0. At one goal, you've got plenty of time and plenty of space to get back into the game. And that's exactly what we did. Tino Livramento running down the right hand side gets taken down by Ben Chilwell. And, you know, you've got to have confidence in War Prowse taking the penalty, don't you? He slots it away. Oh. It makes it, sorry, he makes it 1 0. At that point, were we in control of the game? Ollie, you said you were watching the game. Did you feel relatively relaxed watching Southampton? No. <laughs> when do you ever feel <laughs> relatively relaxed watching Southampton? Very good point. I can't right. think of any time I felt like that. The second half um, of the Newport game, I felt quite relaxed. But apart, <laughs> from, apart from that, I was... Uh, um, um, I, I, I can't really good. feel... I felt pleased we scored. And to be fair, we did look like we were... When we matched them up... I don't know if someone's ever mentioned it before, but when we did actually like match them up, and I think the idea was to put Romeu on Lukaku, and then either between Romeu and Bednarak, he would be not marked out of the game, but at least kept uh, like out of the danger. And he eventually just kind of played off them and put the space out of it. Anyway, that doesn't matter. Yeah, for a moment after the goal, we looked fairly good, but then it just seemed like we were sitting back. A real pet peeve of mine, because I know it's Chelsea, but if they've just conceded, I think that's the time to at least put a little bit of pressure on or try and not go for another, but just keep at the same pace you're doing because you're naturally going to have that that energy from getting back into the game. Whereas we always seem like we come back and especially a team like Chelsea, they're well practiced in beating teams that sit back. So I think it just kind of almost makes it more of a chance that you're going to score. And we kind of ended up sitting back and eventually they did really. And we kind of defended for our lives until they scored again. Looking back, something I forgot to mention at halftime, Theo Walcott came off and Diallo came on. Mikey, what sort of impact did that have on the game? Because it did seem like from that moment onwards, Saints, Saints looks a lot better. Well, I think we, as Ollie said, I think we switched to more of a five with Romeo literally just sitting in the centre of that, um, mm. uh, the centre of that, and just cutting Lukaku off. I think Diallo's Diallo's become a bit more of an attacking midfielder. I think he was signed as a defensive midfielder, <laughs> but he he carries the ball so well forward, and he's always looking forward. He's trying to punch a pass into feet or or look forward to play the ball. It's it's quite it's quite exciting to see him um to see him do that. I mean, I get Ollie's point about sitting back and and being defensive against a team like Chelsea. I don't think Chelsea were actually causing us many problems. Um, and arguably, with the amount of pace that we have, with the likes of, I, I think Teller was still on the pitch at this point. But with Teller, even looking at like further back, Livermento, Walker Peters, that pace there on the counter attack, we're dangerous, and it, we could like be able to ping that ball especially with the likes of Walprouse and Diallo on the pitch. We could play the ball in space, get Adam Armstrong to chase it, get Nathan Teller to chase it. We've got two incredibly quick players up top, so I don't think there was anything wrong with us sitting back and creating this wall because we sat back for the pretty much the entire game against Man City and we got a point from it. So I don't think there's anything against it. Yes, it does bring more pressure onto you, but it makes you harder to break down. It's it's easier to break down six players when you've got four players pressing up the field than it is trying to break down 11 players. 
So I, I don't think I don't think it was too much of an issue us sitting back. It was then I don't know if you're going to mention anything else, but the War Prowse red card is where the game really turned and Chelsea mm. came up and above. Yeah, I, I think this game after the War Prowse red card was slightly different because I think we were forced into going more defensive to try and grind out a point. But say let's let's say hypothetically, War Prowse doesn't get that red card. We still stay quite defensively stable and we get a point. I think it's it's very difficult to say that going defensive is a bad thing because if you get a point against a top six top six side <laughs> going defensive, you think, well, that's a great point. I wasn't expecting that point. We defended brilliantly. And to be honest with you, I think we would have got a point if Warprouse didn't get a red card. That's nothing against him. He's been brilliant for us, but on a one-game basis, maybe we would have got more points if if Warprouse stayed on the pitch. However, it's the other flip side that people will go, well, we went really defensive against Chelsea. We probably would have lost anyway. So if, because of that, we should have went and attacked and tried to get three points. We drew 3-3 three, three with them last season. We've got the ability to score goals. J- Jamie, do you think that's a, a part of being a football fan, that there's always a, a space to complain about if, if the result doesn't quite go your way? Well, especially being a Southampton fan, there's always something to complain about, mate. That's the yeah. problem. <laughs> but it's just, I think I've, it's just the thing is, we were defensively weak last week, last season. We're defensively stronger now. We just don't have that outlook to strike. I generally think if we kept kept Danny Ings, I don't know about the world bringing in the same amount of players we brought in, but it'd be a lot better. I think what people realise is it's going to take time for Adam Armstrong to play in the Prem. So what, he's played, what, once before maybe for Newcastle, what it was? Only a, ha- a handful of games. A handful he, of he really didn't, this is his only you know, real senior experience. Exactly. It's not going to come instantly. Like I said, Che Adams isn't necessarily a goal scorer. He helps his striker part, striking partner. He hasn't had the time to build up a relationship with Adam Armstrong yet. Because Ralph is switching it about, which I guess you need to do if goals aren't happening. But it's it's a... Works both ways. You switch it up, get goals sometimes, but you also need to build it and give them time. I think over time, it'll be interesting to see how well we do with without Danny Ings, simply due to the fact that at the moment, you know, Aston Villa, they're doing really, really well, uh, or, or quite well, should I say. I think they're sitting in 10th at the moment in the Premier League, but Danny Ings has only got two goals. So l- looking in two or three years' time, it'll be interesting to see how both the club and Danny Ings himself reflects on on that specific move and if either side regret I'll be quite interested to see but let's talk about that red car the game moment that changed it Warprouse he, he looks at Jorginho <laughs> when Mendy passed in the ball he thinks this is a brilliant time to press and, and to be fair it was because if he gets the ball there I think he could go through on goal and you know if it was a slide tackle I guess someone else would come in and score get a shot on target but sadly, Jorginho passes it out quite quickly. Warprouse rushes into the challenge. The referee originally gives a yellow oh, card. card I, then... It's late. It is late. He's gone for the ball. He hasn't got it. His studs aren't particularly high. They're showing, but they're not high on Jorginho's. Like there is, it's on his foot. It's, I don't even know if it's on his ankle. I think it's literally just on his foot where he's got it. I I don't want to say this, but if this isn't at Stamford Bridge and if we are aren't at Chelsea, I don't think it's a red. Uh, it, it's it's late. It's but he's in control of what he's doing. It's not out of control. He's gone for a ball that he could have gone and potentially got. He it's not a challenge. Just the ball's gone fifteen yards and then he's come in and got it. I I don't think it's a red card. I think it's incredibly harsh to be a red card. 
Really? Ollie, do, do you agree or disagree? <laughs> well, I was watching it with four other people, and as, saw, as soon as we saw the first replay, we all had that sharp intake of breath and that oof like that. Because I know it was a he's he's sliding in, and there's no bad intentions there, but the ball has already gone, and he's gone into the back of his leg. And uh, I know Jorginho makes the most of it and kind of folds in half, but still, like, <laughs> he's put his whole momentum straight through that into his leg with his studs up, which is the only way he could have gone into that challenge, I understand, but it's definitely not a pretty one to watch, and I can kind of undersee, un- like, I can understand why the ref saw it as a red, because especially when you watch it 10 times with a replay, of course it doesn't make it look great, but I think for me, even when I saw it, my initial reaction after seeing it, even on the first replay, I went, that's not a good challenge. Um, so there's been plenty of other red cards I've been more disappointed with. That one I, I'm i not too angry with, if that makes sense. It's currently one all in the Saints score studio for red card or not red card. <laughs> Jamie, yeah. you get the definitive Ooh. vote. It's a tough one. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. Tizard doesn't matter <laughs> right now. Let me speak, Oliver. Okay. On, it's tough because I think he did obviously go full in studs up and he only really clipped his ankle with the front of his boot. I think if it's more full on his whole ankle of Jack Parsi's boot, it's hard to describe over the radio, but it was a full on middle of his foot, took his ankle out. Yeah, definite straight red card. However, he only clipped him and it wasn't that bad. He was up playing the rest of the game. So I think maybe it's a, it's a harsh red, definite yellow. I think that's definitely a way to put it. I think because two of you are saying it's a harsh, a harsh red. <sighs> for me, it's 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 just, it is a red. I'm sorry, it should e- probably be a red. <laughs> I, I don't want to say it because I do agree with Jamie. I think he does only clip him, but the problem is he does clip him with <laughs> with his studs up. And I think that's where the referee, he's gone down the line of the law, as he should, as I'd expect him to, if he was against, uh, if it was for us. So, yeah, frustratingly, that was a red card. And from that moment onwards, Chelsea did k- take control of the game. But we're quickly talking about Warprouse, who's going to take the captain's armband for the next game now he's gone? Who, who do you think is yeah. the Remain. main? It's either, lead it could either be Stevens or Remain, but obviously Stevens injured. Well, Has he gave it to Romeu when mm. he left the pitch, so that probably gives you the best idea, doesn't it? And if it's Romeu with the captain's armband, who's going to be taking the penalties? I think that's a big question because I remember when Adams at the start, Adams when he started his Southampton career in pre-season took the penalties, but Adam Armstrong won't be too happy with that. He'll be thinking, can I have them, please? So he he was the penalty taker at Bristol Rovers last year. Uh, Bristol Rovers, Blackburn. Blackburn oh no, Rovers. Rose. Oh goodness me, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he not 100 the... sure because I, th- I don't know if he. I don't know if he took 24 goals. It's, it's awful for me. It might. He might have had a few. 29 goals. I think. But Ooh. I think he had the lowest. I think he had the highest non-penalty goal uh. rate. So whether that means that Blackburn had less penalties, or if that meant that Brentford had more penalties, or if it meant Sam Gallagher's he was on. You know, he might be. Who do you think is going to be taking the penalties? Adams. Uh, I mean, if we get a penalty, Adams, Adam Armstrong, or, or someone else. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm guessing Armstrong will probably want to be on them. I think majority of the squad will want to be on. I mean, we had Ryan Bertrand take a couple of penalties <laughs> a couple <laughs> of years ago, didn't we? Very so, well. Very well. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'd be more interested to know free kick corner wise what's going to happen because every single free kick is a Wall Prowse free kick. So. 
uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't know who would step up in those situations. Corner wise, again, Sheffield United, Redmond took quite a few, and I think Parade if he does play. So I think Redmond's probably the main candidate for that if he's on the pitch. Uh, and Parade as well, because I think he's taken a few Premier League corners as well. But yeah, if it's direct, it'll be interesting to see. But I think I think Redmond would certainly put his name in the hat for that. But enough about that. Let's go on to the upsetting part of it, if you're a Saints fan. And Werner, he gets his third Premier League goal against Saints. Seven Premier League goals in total. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it's, it's a brilliant move. I can't quite for the, remember who, who it was that put the original ball across to Aspilicueta. Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley. Barkley put the original ball across, but Aspilicueta's beautifully weighted ball across for Werner's tapping. Anything, Mikey, that Saints could have done better in that defensive situation? Um, I mean, I was listening to the commentary at this point because I'd, I'd got out of work and Adam Blackmore was saying when, when Ross Barkley came onto the pitch, he was saying, Ross Barkley, he's done nothing for like a year <laughs> apart from score against Southampton. Like, I don't know why he's bringing him on. And I mean, he showed his quality with the ball he played to Aspilicueta. I think it's mostly to do with Aspilicueta in all fairness. I mean, mm. The first time ball is out, on the stretch is incredible it's a fantastic ball across goal and problem is as a centre half in that position if if you let the striker have it he's going to score but if you stick your boot on it you're going to score an own goal there's not a lot you can do about that ball into the box it's moving so quickly McCarthy can't really react to it it is a brilliant brilliant goal um, maybe pressing Ross Barkley that might be a thing but of course we didn't have as many players on the pitch at that point so you can't afford to move one out so, yeah, it was just a very good goal, which is kind of frustrating. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and with the third goal, somehow Lukaku didn't score it. Somehow Aspilicueta didn't score it. I think they right. both hit the post, or I think Aspilicueta might have hit the bar. But Chilwell, it's, it's a great volley. And uh, McCarthy had a great game up to that point. He couldn't quite keep out. It's just about gone over the line. At that point, the game's over, isn't it, Ollie? really? Pretty much. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of quite funny because it was just kind of like attackers v defenders at that point. Chelsea were just levering it at the goal and you think McCarthy's made a really good save, um, but then the goal line tech comes out and it's just gone over, which is annoying. But yeah, uh, they were just kind of smashing it at the goal until it finally went in. It was kind of relentless, really, wasn't it? And that kind of uh, showed that they were just kind of in control, really, and they could they could do what they please, uh, sadly. All right, 60 seconds, Mikey. Are you, are you happy with our performance against Chelsea? I know, once again, we've not got three points, but was it, was it an all right performance? I mean, until the red card, we, we survived the first half, which I think was important. As much as we were 1-0 down, I think it could have been maybe two or three in all fairness. Mm. We came out in the second half. Ralph made a change at halftime, which again is something that he's been criticised with. But this season, he's actually got quite good at making, being pragmatic, wanting to make changes uh, and and trying, trying to do things, um, which he was called out for by the fans. Um, and it's worked and we've got back into the game until that red card and then once the red card's there maybe it's something that we do have to work on being a bit more organised and being a bit more like uh, better with 10 men I know that's something that Eddie Howe used to do don't want to bring his name into it but that's something <laughs> Eddie Howe used to do in, uh, in Bournemouth uh, he used to do that in training but maybe that's something that we've got to look look to do um, but yeah, I, I was quite happy with the performance and it's it's not a bad result to take away from Sanford Bridge. Yep, right. After the break, 
I'm going to ask the boys a few questions about the season so far. But before that, the three players for the three-man quiz this season, three players around the globe that played a one current Saints player. This week, it's Billy Sharp, Thomas Kujak, and Harry Winks. Do any of you quickly... Don't I know the, the answer. Do you know the oh, answer? do I. You both it's an easy one, Tizard. Brilliant. <sighs> Ollie, are you going to you make know? them harder? No idea. Thank I don't even know who that first bloke is. Kuzak. Billy Sharp. The second one, Kuzak. Thomas Kuzak. Well, we'll have to see after the break. If anyone else knows the answer, tweet us at VoiceFM Radio or at Saints underscore score. Because I think there's a few players in there that make it a bit difficult, but obviously for Jamie and Mikey, it's not so. So join us after the break when I will reveal the answer. See you then. Hello and welcome back to the final segment of the Saints score. So we've got Harry's quiz, the answer to be revealed. And Harry's got some other questions to drop by us while we're in international break. So Harry, what are those questions? So first off, we will go for the three-man quiz because all three of you seem to know. This week, the three players are Billy Sharp, Thomas Kujak and Harry Winks. That's Billy Sharp, Thomas Kujak and Harry Winks. And I'll go for Ollie because he never normally gets the answer correct. So it must have <laughs> been an obvious one this week. Who yeah. is it? <laughs> is it Che Adams? Yeah, that's the yeah. one. That's the one. McAdams, you mean? Yeah. I, thought, I thought the name of Harry Winks would, you know, make it a bit more difficult to get but obviously not obviously the other two because you know at Sheffield United at that sort of time only players like Billy Sharp Calvert-Lewin were were really playing so Billy Sharp was the only I think I used Calvert-Lewin in the past for a bit for a uh, an answer based on Che Adams so yeah sadly it was slightly obvious and there's still not been a week where none of you have got it. And I keep saying I'm going to come back better and Mikey will get it or Jamie will get it. And when Ollie gets it, well, that's that is, a real, that is a real shame. But let's the problem, look is, at... the problem is, Tiz, is that yeah. Harry Winks, you know, he's only played for Spurs. So yeah, if it's not Carl Walker-Peters, <laughs> he's just going to be playing for England. So you already know the nationality of the player. I know Chase now Scottish technically, but he played for England at younger level. So that sort of makes it a little bit more obvious. He only played twice. He only played twice for the England on the 20s. Yeah, still he's still more than played, you, didn't he? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that is true, but I meant more for the fact that only a small amount of players could have played with him. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is that is frustrating. But, oh well, we'll go on to our final segment this week. And I just want to have a look at the season that's coming up, at the season that's passed, and just sort of try and get some, you know, debating, talking points around the place. And the first one, my question to the group is, would you have been happy with this points total looking at our opening seven games because obviously four points isn't great from seven, but considering the teams we've come up against have been quite difficult. Ollie, would you be happy with four points out of seven? Um, well, it's, it's a toughie because you'd look at it and say, you'd probably call Man City and Man United a write-off, wouldn't you? Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, we got points out of both of those, didn't we? Indeed. Yeah. So you'd be like, oh, amazing. We did quite well there. Um, but then you look at some of the other games, uh, you'd say Newcastle, you'd you'd possibly want more than a point considering they're really struggling at the moment, or you would at least now say it, uh, looking back on it, because they're, I think they're, they're even lower than us, aren't they? Which is a real, mm. will you? Um, <laughs> Wolves, you would have hoped for at least a result, if not, 
um, something else and maybe a point out at Everton, but I'm not sure. So um, I probably would have been content, but in not where the... I, I probably would have hoped for at least maybe like one win. But if we had like one win against like Wolves or maybe Newcastle, then I would have been quite pleased. But it's almost a bit of a, a monkey on our back that we have to try and uh, get this first win and we're already heading into our eighth game of the season. Now, <laughs> so. Jeremy, four of seven, happy, not happy? I think it's like Ollie says, it's tough considering the teams you played against. Do you think, like I said, the write-offs would be United and Cities, but we get points against them, we don't get points against the teams we should be beating. That's why I think this next few games are so important for Ralph, because if we don't get, I was saying that we should at least get, I think I said, um, six out of, of the next, six points out of the next three games at least. Minimum, with the, I think it's um, Leeds, Burnley and Norwich. Leeds, right? Burnley, Watford, Aston Villa, ah. Norwich is our next five. That's the that's... thing. I think that's, that's the question you should be asking, Harry, is how many points should we get out of that? Because I think everyone can see the games we play and think, yeah, it's not great, but it'll do. I mean, that, that is on the list, Jamie. It's just a, oh, bit, it's it? just a oh. bit further down. It's just a bit further uh-huh. down. I apologise in here. The other two have sort of mentioned it a bit there, Mikey, but what game so far this season would you look at and think, we should have probably got a point out of that or maybe should have won that game. They've mentioned the Newcastle game, maybe should have won that one. Maybe should have got a point out of the Wolves one. Which games do you look at and think we we probably should have got a better result out of that one? I think Newcastle's quite an easy one to point a finger at and go, right, we, we should have got uh, we should have got a result out of that game because of how dominant we were and the chances that we created against them. However, if you look at it in the context of the game, in the 95th minute, we were 2-1 down. Like we we managed to get a point from a losing position in the ninety fifth minute. Like that's not a bad result to come away with. Um, you then look at games against West Ham, where if if we, I mean, there wasn't many chances created, but that could have been a result we could have got if we get a VAR call in our favour. We're one nil up against. Well, maybe not one nil up against Man City, but we're down to a Man City team against ten men with a penalty. I think there's there has been a couple of decisions that's not gone our way, which hasn't helped us. But I'm overall quite happy with the start that we've had, especially with the teams that we've played against. Because um, even looking down that list, I I know like Everton start of the season first game is always going to be tricky. We then play four of the top six in last year. I know none of you's really mentioned West Ham. West Ham have still been as good as they were this year. Um, as they were last year as well. I remember they batted us 3 0. Um, we lost twice. Did we lose twice to West Ham? I think. No, we, drew, we also drew 0 oh, home. home last yeah. season. Yeah. So we, we haven't done badly in our first couple of games. We're still in the cup, which is important because yeah. we want to be doing well in that, uh, which again hasn't been mentioned. But then you do look at the result like Wolves, even, even though they were placed below us, they're still a good side and they're still a side that I wouldn't be expecting like to be fighting for allegation at the end of the year. The only side that I think would be in our opening fixtures are Newcastle and that's the result that mainly is the disappointment, but in the context of the game, it's not. So overall, I'm not, I'm not too displeased with how we started, even without uh, a win on the board. Yeah, I mean, Mikey sort of covered it there, but I'll go back to Ollie. What positives can we take from those opening seven games? Um, results out both Manchester sides, like I said previously, mm. is a pretty good one. Um, we had a we had a bit of a run where we kept what was it 
free clean sheet. Oh no, that wasn't. There was two clean sheets. Two good know. clean sheets. <laughs> yeah, good clean sheets. Doesn't sound too exciting, does it? But <laughs> there was a period where our defence looked somewhat. I was going to say competent then, but capable is probably a better word. Mm. Um, what else? At least we're scoring some goals. I mean, at home is a bit of a problem, but away from home we're still scoring some goals. So I've really clutched at straws here a little bit. Um, Mikey, you're better at this. McCarthy, McCarthy's <laughs> doing all right. Is that one? McCarthy's playing quite well at the moment. Livermento's looks fairly, looks like he can handle most things. Um, Armstrong works hard. I mean, <laughs> oh, right, no, Ollie, <laughs> stop, stop. I mean, Ollie, 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 negative he... man on the podcast, isn't he? Like, he can't <laughs> think of anything. Come on, Mikey, you can, I, you I can think, tell us. T- I think all the signings this year have actually settled in quite nicely. I think Livramento's looked really good. Perrault in the outings that he's been able to get, he's looked good as well. Um, uh, the Thierry Small lad, he's now getting minutes because he didn't train for four months with Everton. So he's now getting his first couple of minutes in the B team and he'll be in the uh, in sort of the reckoning of our first team. That's what you've signed for. So he'll be involved as well as a left back hopefully in the future. Uh, defensively, it's been a massive positive um, because of how much we've improved from the previous year. Um, as much as we have talked about mistakes and things like that, it's not as many as last season. Like I, I can't see us conceding near to 60 goals. Clip this. Um, this <laughs> season. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, hate, I hate making statements like that. Um, <laughs> Results-wise, again, we've got good points. And I think, Harry, you said this last week. If these were separated game weeks and we played these fixtures on like the 18th, the 24th and like the 31st game week, like these are seen as good results. It's just because we haven't got that win on the board yet. That's where we've got an issue. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's overall been quite... Quite a good start to the quite quite a good start to the season, as much as we haven't got a win yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think that's fair enough. Looking at those fixtures, I think looking at the performances, we've done okay. We've done all right. I think people that watch us would go, do you know what? Maybe they should have got more points out of it. But the problem is, performances don't keep you in the division, and Ooh. that's the worry. That is that is my concern, Jamie. So far. You've seen us play seven times. What could we possibly improve upon? Because there's probably quite a few things that other people would list. But what, what would you say is the main thing that, you know, if we want to get wins, what needs to change? Our attacking, not change to say, but our attacking outlets. Because even though I think Prowse has been a little bit more defensive this season, and no one's really pushing the balls in the area at all. I mean, that's maybe Armstrong used to do that quite a lot for us. With him coming back, maybe that would change now. But honestly, to that, without. I don't really like to say because it's quite simple as scoring and finishing, yeah. finishing practice. Yeah. That's, it's that simple. That's what we're not doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair enough. I think, Ollie, <laughs> you sounded like you agreed there. No, well, you know, you mentioned Armstrong being good, so of course I'm going to agree. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people have put, you know, us not winning so far to Ralph Hoosenhutel. I think all of us in this podcast are probably Ralph and I go through all three of you and we'll start with Jamie. What would you say to the people that are saying Ralph out? What would you try and do to, to convince those people? Or, or are you Ralph out? I'm, I'm not I, would, I would teach them how football works. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> because <laughs> More because clearly they're not really too brutal. clued on what's going on. Oh my on. God. No, Jamie. <laughs> 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 Mikey, Mikey will go for a, a more analytical base answer. Um, 
I I hear that well, the stat that's been thrown around is four wins in the calendar year, um, which obviously isn't good enough. We we haven't got enough wins this season, um, not this season, this year. Mm. But how I like seeing things is every season's a clean slate. Every season you get to the start of it and you go oh, new new squad. Oh, we bought in seven or eight players. We lost two or three key players from last season. We've seen different tactical systems this year as well from what we were seeing last year. It felt like last year we weren't being pragmatic. We weren't trying to um, find something new. Um, but now we are, and, and it's looking looking a little bit more positive. I think also the defensive aspect has become a lot better. But I think the main thing is it's it's a long-term process. Who are we going to actually bring in to change what's happening at the moment with this set of players? I, I don't think there's a better man to put us forward. It's still an incredibly young squad. We've still got a, we've got a lot of potential in this squad to move forward as well. And when when they do develop and when they do get up, like I'll be happy. I don't know if he'd want to stay around if we do end up going down this season, which I don't think will happen. Oh god! I I want to see Ralph keep the job because <laughs> <laughs> I think Goodness. it's a long term project that we're currently in. Why are we I understand that relegation, three... mate. <laughs> I you said you were going to be the positive one. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not saying that we're going to go down, but that's how much I'm going to back Ralph this year. That, that's how much I'm going to back Ralph this year because I think he's the best man to lead us forward, and I don't think there's anyone else out there who will do a better job at the moment who would want this job. I know people have been saying about like Eddie Howe or like Kuman coming back from Barcelona. Ew. I don't want Kuman coming back. I don't want Eddie Howe in charge. You see the defensive record he had at Bournemouth for three years, and he uses our back four. It's not going to work, is it? Like <laughs> that—that just doesn't make sense. I know Mikey, plays, are you saying people I know he plays humans are stupid? No, no, <laughs> but it's just living in the past. It's living in the past for something that's not going to happen again. Like, we've seen people, yeah. we've seen people wanting their fairy tale endings like Lampard at Chelsea. It doesn't always work out, and it might be the case that Kuman comes back and he's amazing and he's brilliant and we finish top six again. But the likelihood of that happening is so low that I prefer to just stick what we've got now. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people would say that Ralph, he's has two, three seasons, and there's not been a lot of progress, at least based on the table. Would you say to those people, still be patient, or would you say that that progress is due to the fact that maybe we've not had the players that he requires? Maybe that's because the the ownership maybe isn't as perfect as a lot of people would want it to be. What would you say to people that would say that? I, I don't think people realise how much of a how much of a mess the club was in. Like when Ralph took over, like I think me and Ollie were having a conversation last night where um, oh, when we nearly went down, when Gabbiadini scored at Swansea in what, 2017, 18 or when, whenever that was, we had the seventh highest wage in the league and we came 17th. Oh, uh-huh. Like the club was in an absolute state. We then lost sponsorship deals. We then went into COVID and then we went into these financial problems where, in all fairness, we were only really making an even balance by selling our players. That was it. We It, it was an absolute state and how we didn't go down is an absolute miracle. So now <laughs> we're, we're not this club that's fighting for European football and fighting for the top end of the table. We're a club that will be fighting relegation for the next two seasons because we don't have the financial backing to be able to do it. 
So, I mean, we can employ an Allardyce or we can employ, uh, I, I don't know, who else is your survival specialist <laughs> anymore? We'll get Nigel Pearce. They, they've all been Mark relegated, Hughes. haven't they? But, like, so like, you can bring down. your Allardyces or Hughes <laughs> or, like, that sort of group of managers in. Still playing but then when we brought in a manager that didn't play nice, attractive football, the crowd didn't like it under Powell. Even when we finished eighth and got to a cup final, he got sacked because of the style of football. So there's got to be a balance to it. Like people wanting to stay up or do people want to watch attractive football? Like I think under Ralph, we can have both, but you got to give it time. We'll quickly go to Ollie looking at the next five <laughs> fixtures. There's only one team above or who is 10th and that's Aston Villa. The rest are Leeds, Burnley, Watford and Norwich. Uh, the rest are 16th or below. How important are those five games, but also how much is Warprowse going to be a miss in some of those games as well, three of those games, or maybe two, depending on if you know one of the band matches counts as the EFL Cup. Quickly, 60 seconds, go. Oh, Christ. There's lots of... <laughs> I mean, those games are paramount for our safety this season, so we've got to make sure we get as many points as possible. And Warprowse will be a massive miss and. I was kind of sat there Saturday thinking, who's going to take all the free kicks and who's going to take the corners? Who do you think will take... I, I, like What, Redmond on free kicks? No, thanks. I mean, that's a bit worrying. It, it kind of takes our, our balance of the team out a little bit, so I think we're going to miss him quite a lot. I also think looking at War Prowse, it's not just his ability that we're going to miss. I know a lot of people did mind about his corners, and you know what? His corners haven't been to standards, or at least the standard that people expect, but I still think he is our best corner taker, and I think maybe it's the people in the middle uh, that haven't been putting their headers away, but I think something that we do miss with him is that level of communication that no other player has in our team. The per- he's the person that knows the system inside out, and I think against Sheffield United, when we did play against them uh, in the Cup, I think I said it last Last week, that's something that we massively miss, and I think that's something that we are going to miss. But what it does do, what it does do, is it gives Diallo a chance that if Diallo is the man to be selected, and I think he will be alongside Oreo Mayo, it will give him three games, three sets of 90 minutes to go. Do you know what? I should be playing in this team. I should be getting more regular minutes because at the moment, Ramey's a stonewall in the team, and Will Prowse is also one of those as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, but. I'm sorry, guys. I want to ask more questions, but that's as much time as we've got. Oh, man. It's the end. If you want to catch any of it, remember, you can do any Spotify, (laughs) Apple, or any of your good services, any of those, or on the Voice FM catch-up service. But that's all from me. It's goodbye from Jamie. Goodbye. Goodbye from Mikey. Bye. And it's goodbye from Ollie. Bye-bye. We'll see you next week.